The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, with your host, Dr. Rob Moyer. Find out what others are doing and what you can do to create a greener and blue planet Earth. Now, here's Dr. Rob Moyer. Hello. Today, we're talking about stopping dental mercury. It's a common cause of chronic diseases. And now, mercury poisoning is a problem we've talked about in previous shows about the situation in fish, that swordfish, for example, has a high level of mercury in it because it's seven trophic levels up the food chain. And so a swordfish must eat 10 pounds of other fish to have a one-pound serving of swordfish. And that swordfish will be 10 times as concentrated in mercury poisoning as a pound of, say, bluefish or smaller fishes. So if you want to avoid mercury in fish, you just simply need to eat smaller and younger fish than swordfish and bluefish, than bluefin tuna. Bluefish is much better of fish to eat uh, for that reason. And so in practice, basically, the less expensive the seafood, the better it is for you because there will be less to nearly no mercury in it. So I personally am a big seafood consumer. But today, there's a program, is, today the program is about a source of metallic mercury poisoning that's much closer to us than those fish. And for some people, it's much more harmful than the mercury in fish is. And I'm talking about dental mercury, those silver fillings in our mouths, how they can cause chronic diseases that must be stopped. And my guest, I have two guests today to talk about this with me. Uh, Karen Palmer is a former hygienist and member of the PA Coalition for Mercury-Free Dentistry. She volunteers with Dental Amalgam Mercury Solutions. Hello, Karen. Hi, how are you? Good. Where are you calling us from? Um, from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Wow, way down in Pennsylvania in steel country there. How is it? Well, not producing steel too much anymore, but uh, it's a lovely day today. Oh, good. And then also with me, back from an episode that we had just two shows ago, is Laura Hensey Russell, and Laura's director of the Hidden River Health Challenge, a social innovation enterprise at the Ocean River Institute. Hello, Laura. Hi, how are you? Good to be back. And, and where are you calling us from? Uh, from Sharon, Massachusetts. Oh, great. I don't know if we'll get to it in the show, but if you go to Laura's website at oceanriver.org, you'll see that she's very active in Sharon Town Hall uh, uh, meetings and bringing attention to of the local people to this dental mercury problem. Um, you know, both of you have suffered from mercury poisoning, and I'd like to take a moment to learn about your stories of, of you know, suffering from that and how you've managed to persevere and come through, and today you're champions of stopping dental mercury. Uh, Karen, um, how did you first become aware of this? 
Well, let me, let me just first say that I am a, a clinical chair-side dental assistant, not a dental hygienist. Um, the difference being that dental hygienists are the professionals that actually clean your teeth. Yes. Um, I was more charged with duties of filling the teeth. <laughs> and so oh that's my God. how I, be- I became exposed uh, daily to bolus amounts of mercury vapor and particulate matter while working. And this is 25 years into this. And so, yes, I slowly became poisoned, unbeknownst to myself. Um, I began uh, having uh, some serious neurological deficits and, and um, symptomology uh, uh, similar to MS. And so it was very scary for me. Um, I had two episodes, one in 1998, uh, the scariest part uh, being the full body tremors. Um, my body was just so saturated with, with mercury, and I did not know. And so, of course, you know, you go rushing off to the nearest hospital, and they couldn't figure it out. And uh, so slowly my symptoms uh, began to abate a bit, but still the numbness and tingling in my arm. Then again in 2003, same thing, a very relaxing Saturday afternoon drive. And again, full body tremors, you know, horrific pain, uh, kind of like a combination stroke heart attack symptoms. Holy smokes, and, that's terrible. Oh, my gosh, I just did not even know what was going on, but just so scary. But again, can't get to the hospital soon enough. This time, I try a different hospital from my area, one that I was actually on staff at for 15 years through the Department of Dentistry. Uh, they also could not figure it out. They just said, you know, keep your appointment, your upcoming appointment with the neurologist and, and see if they can figure it all out. But I'll tell you, it, it was just very, very scary. And so um, my uh, paresthesia uh, persists to this day. So I have uh, permanent neurological damage as a result of being toxic for so long and not knowing what was going on. And so finally, in 2004, when I finally did get my diagnosis of heavy metal toxicity from um, mercury and, and lead as well, because the mercury then pulled the lead, you know, when you take a shower, when you drink, it's in the air. And these metals play in your body kind of like magnets, you know. And so I was also battling that, you know, I had lead in my bones. And so this heavy feeling that I have all this time, this tired, achy, stiff feeling that I cannot just get rid of no matter what I do. It doesn't matter if I sit five minutes or 25 hours. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I always feel the same way. But the exciting part about that currently is I'm doing infrared sauna therapy, which is from my doctor. I have a script for that. And that, that's helping me currently uh, the best for a while. I mean, I feel amazing when I get out of the sauna. Unfortunately, it, it doesn't last. And so we hope to get that to reverse soon. That, it will last a bit longer for me. So the infrared is um, treatment that helps. But, yes, um, it does. Karen, let's back yes. up for a second. So for years you were suffering, and yet you didn't know it was because of the mercury that you were working with at work, right? Right. It, it, it's just so, so bizarre. When I look back on it now, you know, I knew that I worked with mercury. I handled it every day, but I thought I was protected because I wore a mask and gloves. That's as recommended by OSHA and the ADA. And yeah. so I did all that. So I thought I was protected. So I was just really floored by this diagnosis. I was like, how can this be? How can this be? So that I just immediately, 
began researching and, and have just spent, you know, hours and hours and hours just researching and learning how this, how this could happen and what, why, why that happened to me. So now I know that there are special mercury vapor masks because that's what I should have been wearing. That's what would have truly protected me, not these paper flimsy masks, which is what I was wearing. Well, also, just to get mercury out of the dental office altogether would be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just wrecked. So, just and then a- I learned that I'm, I'm one of 266,000 dental assistants in this country that are, are in the same boat as I am, largely. They don't know. I didn't know. They don't always know. So, yeah, so that's been my, my mission now since learning all this is to do what I can to uh, bring awareness of, about all this. Absolutely, because most people have the symptoms and they never connect the dots to being mercury poisoning. I, I bet, you know, a small fraction of the people who are suffering understand the source. Exactly, exactly. And, and are there symptoms that are more, char- are more characteristic of mercury poisoning or you just have to get the blood test, I guess? Uh, absolutely. Um, in, in my situation, it's uh, peripheral neuropathy which is this numbness, tingling, burning, this biting, crawling, all these just really weird sensations. You know, my arm feels wet, it feels cold, it feels hot. I mean, just bizarre stuff. Half my tongue numb, the left side of my face numb. I mean, this goes from head to toe. Uh, The outer border of my left foot, uh, uh, just no feeling, uh, loss of tendon reflexes, a lot of sensory disturbances throughout my whole body. When you look at me, I look fine, and it isn't so you go poking and prodding me that you say, huh, that's not working, or, you know, something like that. It's, it's, it's bizarre. It's oh, absolutely dear. bizarre. Yeah. And, and so you found this, this infrared treatment. What's that? It sort of helps? Um, you know, uh, infrared uh, sauna therapy is, um, um, you know, the lights that, that they put preemie babies under, those warm lights, that infrared lights? That's yeah, for jaundice babies, yeah. So it's, it's a dry heat, but it's a, it's a very uh, penetrating heat. So nice. like an inch or an inch and a half below the skin, it pulls the toxins out of your, out of your pores and you sweat dramatically. And so that, that mercury and a lot of these toxins, whether it be plastic, whether it be pesticides, you name it, and I've been tested for them all, um, you store in the fat. Mm. So by... Letting this penetrating heat and the sweat out of there, that's how you're truly going to reach these toxins. I've taken all the medications. I've done all the IVs. I've done all that. This is, this is another line of defense and, and the best one, I think. And so I did one years ago at my doctor's, and I loved it. But my doctor is 45 minutes away, and it was just never convenient for me to run there, do a sauna, run home, because after you do yeah. this, you feel really yucky because those toxins are on your skin. So you just want to get them off, and, you know. So finally, uh, last summer in August, I ordered one, and I have one in my house now, and it is amazing. That's so now great. I go in the sauna 40 minutes uh, every other day. Every other day. That's wonderful. Yes. So I'm yeah, very, very encouraged. This is the problem is that the mercury gets bound in our fat cells, and so if we don't get ways of getting rid of those fat cells, we can actually pass them. To, if we're a mother giving milk, we can pass them to our children. Uh, you know, and you know, we see this in whales where the the female whales will have less mercury poisoning in them than the male whales because they are passing some of their mercury load to the baby whale through the mm-hmm. mother's milk and stuff, and through the fetal 
stuff and all that. So um, to be able to work out a system where you can actually sweat out, to, that's fabulous. Yes, yes. I'm very, very encouraged by that. And like I said, I do do feel better when I get out. So that's, that's, that's wonderful for me because I have this, just the way that I feel all the time. It never leaves me. And so oh, when I can feel great. more normal, like I did years ago, it's, it's so exciting. Very exciting. That's so wonderful. Laura, tell us about your situation. Well, um, I was not, uh, I didn't work in dentistry, but I was a frequent flyer um, at dentist's office all my life. I guess I, you know, we were all blessed with different genes and um, some of mine, I had a few glitches, so I tended to get infections and um, I think that was related to my tendency to get a lot of cavities, even though, you know, I ate good foods and brushed regularly and, you know, yeah, But I always had a lot of cavities, and then I had braces, which was metals right next to the amalgam, which is no longer recommended. And then as I got older, my, you know, little cavities, they you know, the fillings would fail, or I'd get um, cavities under them, and they'd drill them out, and they'd put in bigger amalgams, and then they'd finally drill them out, and they'd have to root canal them or crown them, and they left um, amalgam under them, and... I got two gold crowns, and they were put right next to amalgam, which is no longer recommended because it creates these little electrical galvanic reactions in your mouth and degrades the amalgam faster, so more mercury off-gasses. So it was just kind of like um, not good. But I was really, really healthy for, you know, until my mid-30s. And it was ironically uh, after I had my son in my late 30s and finished breastfeeding that I needed to have a bunch of deferred dental work done. And so they drilled out of a lot of amalgams and put in more crowns and, you know, gold next to it. And I never made the connection until about a year ago, but um, that's just about the time my fibromyalgia started. And so, you know, here I was with a, an inf- well, a toddler and all of a sudden my wrists, you know, were ex- it's agonizingly painful, and I kind of had frozen shoulder for a while. And then my, you know, you think you're going nuts because it's like you have these horrible wrist problems, and then it starts in your ankles, and you're like, what the heck is this? And this was before fibromyalgia was um, diagnosed very, you know, much or known about very much. So um, I was lucky. It only took me about a year to get a diagnosis, and some people it's been, you know, it took them like decades but all fibromyalgia really is, is it's a name for a disease that they don't really know what it is and what causes it. And you're, you've got pain and aches and, you know, you're, it feels like your tendons and, um, are like um, shrinking and tightening and you get these mm. tender trigger points and it's, you know, different parts of the body. It's pretty much systemic. And you get a bit tired and you, don't, you have a sleep disturbance so you wake up constantly and a lot of mystery symptoms, like my balance wasn't great. I started, you know, you'd fall and, um, you know, I'd get brain fog. So you'd have to really focus and be in a really quiet environment to get your work done. And um, it, it, uh, yeah, I had to like, you know, get a voice computer program for where I worked and I had to change all the sticky doorknobs in the house and sell my, the car I loved and, you know, it was a manual and get an automatic and, um, you know, and then I, I did a lot of research on the internet, which was relatively new at the time. And I think at first I ordered a big package of research because they didn't really have 
search it. I don't think Google had right. was existed yet. And so I got a big package of information from a place in San Francisco that I read and started then as the net evolved, talking to more people online and figuring out what kinds of supplements helped and finding an integrative doctor to kind of su- supplement the doctor I was seeing through my health plan. And, um, you know, they recommend various medications, mostly for sleep and then eventually you get used to them and you have to switch to something else and then they keep you tired during the day. So it's it's like a dance. But I was pretty well off. For everybody I know with fibromyalgia, I would say I was among the highest functioning because I took a boatload of supplements which seemed to help. And uh, But I couldn't, you know, I had been an ocean lifeguard in my youth. I could no longer hardly swim. I used to be, you know, very active. I could take tiny bike rides and walk, you know, not doing a lot of hill work and no longer jog and no longer do this, that, and the other thing, no longer really dance. Um, so it was hard because I had this young son and this new husband, and uh, I was uh, a bit impaired, but, um, you know, still had, uh, you need to deal with what the hand that you're dealt, and it was a shock from being, like, incredibly healthy to being not healthy, and I never quite could understand why. Um, and then about, uh, I don't know, two or three years ago, I entered, um, I sort of went down the rabbit hole. I just got incredibly ill, and it was bizarre. I had some of those parasites that you were talking about, Karen. I mm-hmm. um, wound up uh, eventually getting um, all these horrific rashes, which turned out to be various um, food and other allergies because mercury had basically ruined my gut lining, and then you sort of all these... Um, yeasts and fungus and candida takes over. I mean, it's just lovely. And Mm -hmm. I became um, somewhat bipolar. um, And, you know, you're you're pretty hysterical when your body starts acting like a, um, you know, like there's, it's like an alien being in you and, and nobody knows what it is and they're not sure they take it seriously. I mean, until I had the rashes, a lot of people thought it was all in my head. Um, and, you know, I ran around and I saw um, specialists. I got third opinion consults at many, you know, leading hospitals and these expensive tests. And, you know, Karen, you know, maybe Karen got diagnosed a little sooner. I don't know. But, I mean, I guess it, the acute phase, it only took me a year. But, and it was just random dumb luck because I, I basically, things were so bad, I basically gave up. I was crawled into a hole. I hardly went outside. I thought it was contagious. And um, then one of the uh, doctors I was seeing outside of my health plan managed to go to a, you know, come back from a conference and he said, you know, I just heard a presentation by a guy who sees patients like you and is helping them get better. And he said the common denominator is reactivity to dental materials. And I'm like, oh my God. You know, I talked to a bunch of the people he had worked with. They sounded like me. They were getting better. Uh, I did this biocompatibility blood test and it showed that, you know, what kinds of uh, dental materials are bad for me and which ones I can tolerate. And I don't think mercury is on anyone's good list. Um, And I had to find a biologic dentist. So I interviewed three and selected, uh, I was working with two for a while and now I work with one that's close, you know, reasonably close to my house. Um, Laura, I have to interrupt. Laura, I have to interrupt because we're running out of time. We're going to take a short break. And then I want to learn more about a biological dentist and what that involves when we come back with Laura Russell and Karen Palmer. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, we're talking today about stopping dental mercury poisoning. It's a common cause of chronic diseases. And with me is Karen Palmer, and Karen's in Bethlehem, and she's a member of the Pennsylvania Coalition of Mercury-Free Dentistry. And she also volunteers with Dental Amalgam Mercury Solutions. Uh, also with us is Laura Hensley-Russell, and Laura's director of the Hidden River Health Challenge, um, at the Ocean River Institute. Uh, Laura, how can people learn more about, how can they get in touch with you and learn more about your campaigns and stuff? Uh, they can email me, uh, laura at oceanriver.org. They can go to the uh, Ocean River uh, website, uh, oceanriver.org, and click on Partners and click on Hidden River Health Challenge. Uh, they can also just Google Hidden River Health Challenge and you'll find that page and my Facebook page and uh, Twitter and uh, a bunch of other things, um, and you can also Google uh, dams. They have a nice Facebook page. Uh, you can Google the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. They've got a great uh, website, um, and uh, the P- Pennsylvania Coalition for Mercury Free Dentistry also has uh, a nice Facebook page. And you can just go to Laura's page, and she's got all kinds of links and connections to all the other pages. Right, so thanks. I invite you to join us at oceanriver.org um, slash hiddenriver.php uh, or navigate through. Um, 
Laura, Laura, you were talking about um, finding out that you had mercury poisoning, and uh, your next step was to um, go into biological dentistry. And uh, Karen, can you tell us what what is biological dentistry? Well, let me let me just back up and say that oh, yeah. so, uh, when I first uh, received my diagnosis, you have to understand for twenty five years, I lived and breathed and worked uh, the mantra of the American Dental Association, which said that the mercury was fine, it was fine, it was fine, unless you were allergic. Well, how do you know you're allergic to mercury? I mean, who does testing for that? Be that as it may, when that all came about and I realized what was happening with me, um, my dentist, I'm sorry, my doctor who finally figured out what was going on with me, it took almost a year, but finally got hooked up with some environmental medicine doctors and they figured out what was wrong with me and I was in total shock. But one of the papers that they gave me after they gave me the diagnosis was a list from the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, a list of biological dentists. And I'm reading this, I'm thinking, what is this? It was so foreign to me. I I just did not know that this was a problem, that this was going on, that there was another side to this. And so one of the very first phone calls that I made after my diagnosis was to the Academy. And I called down there and I said, what is this? What is going on? Blah, blah, blah. And told them, you know, what was going on with me. And so, yeah, so I picked um, a dentist off of that list that was nearby to me within 10 miles. And because I had nine uh, mercury fillings in my mouth. And so not only did I have, you know, total 100% body burden from mercury everywhere, but I also had it in my mouth. I had nine fillings. And so those had to be removed. But I also had to undergo chelation therapy to, to remove these metals from my body uh, very carefully and very slowly. You know, there's side effects to that. And so that, that's a whole other segment. But um, uh, the Academy saved my life. I, I have no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, the fact that I could have those, those mercury fillings removed and not make me more sick than I already was. And then just the relief of having that, that out of my body, that I'm not breathing the vapors, swallowing that 24-7. When you have mercury fillings in your mouth, they are off-gassing 24-7, and you're breathing that, and you're swallowing that, the entire life of that, that filling in your mouth. So not having any more of that in my mouth, I knew I wasn't getting exposed from my mouth. I was no longer working with it, so my exposure levels just dropped. And well, that's so great. now I just have to watch, you know, with fish and, you know, about those kind of things. And so, yeah, so it's been a, a slow, slow comeback from all that, but the biological dentistry is, is just phenomenal. And it's basically like four things. When you go into a biological dental office, um, they had, uh, like I mentioned earlier, the mercury uh, respirator mask, and you have um, this uh, cleanup aspirating. Uh, it's like a little ring that fits around the tooth that they're going to remove the uh, mercury amalgam from, and it absolutely sucks everything. And so that um, when you go to uh, rinse your mouth like you do when you go to the dentist and you rinse in the cuspid and you spit out and normally when you have the filling removed, it's all black and there's all the sludge and iridescent mercury metal filling stuff in there, there was nothing. There was oh, nothing, yeah, that's great. Nothing. And that was so dramatic for me because that's what I did for 25 years. I sucked spit, pardon my language. That's what I did. And so yeah. I was around that all the time. And, but the other big, big thing is the uh, oral um, aerosol evacuation hose. 
And so that's basically like maybe like a five to six inch corrugated hose that's set on your chest because the part that everybody's missing is the vapor, and that's what's so deadly. The vapor mm. that is the clear, odorless, you can't see it, you're not aware of it. But this hose, this when they're cutting, you know, and they're moving those joints, that, that the vapor is going right through that hose. So the patient isn't getting uh, exposed. The dental system, the dentist, the staff. I mean, it's so dramatic, and, and it's just it's the way you have space. It really does. That's, that's where it's at. And this isn't something that just, just happened. This has been going on for a while, and I knew nothing about it, and I was outraged, to say the least. You know, I yeah, just wanted to mention right that uh, today uh, is one of the the start of the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology's semi-annual training seminars. So today they are teaching a pre-conference day on biologic dentistry. Um, in uh, this year, it's in um, Vancouver, Washington, and then their international conference is the next two days. Um, and then upcoming in September, there's a training seminar uh, in Austin, Texas, September 11th to 13th. Um, so if there are any dentists or um, uh, staff, you know, uh, assistants or uh, hygienists, this is a great place to get training. And uh, I would love to see um, investment by uh, uh the state and uh, federal governments to ramp up training of all dentists in biologic dentistry because we should not be subjecting them or their patients to uh, this toxic substance by putting it in, but also by removing it unsafely. And 99.9% of dentists don't know this and so are still removing it unsafely with high-speed drills and uh, only a dental dam, which is not any uh, precaution against the vapors. So. So that was your story, Laura, was that your health really went down when you were having those fillings taken out, when they were drilling in your mouth. Right. right? And then I did have two remaining, you know, ones in my bicuspids, and I was, you know, you chew, you uh, drink hot liquids, you, you know, grind your teeth a little, and bam, that was a constant exposure. And when those were removed and I started to do, you know, uh, various um, uh, protocol to clear this, you know, clear up my system, uh, there was immediate relief from the paresthesia, which I tell you is about the worst. Um, yeah. So, you know, that the next day the paresthesia stopped. So it was so dramatic that... Um, oh, my gosh. The next day after removing your last silver fillings, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah, the other thing relevant. I'll just mention quickly is there's a, you know, this whole synergistic effect between toxins. And, you know, I was a lot better, but not completely. Well, it turned out I had a mold exposure, so I had to deal with that. And then, you know, not completely. And I had some hidden dental infections, you know, sort of subclinical, and they were treated. And, and you know, I had been treated for Lyme, but not with, uh, you know, with a generic that no longer really was effective. So, you know, I had about four things going on, of which mercury was the most dramatic because it was systematically ruining my immune and gut and, you know, neurological and cognitive health, but um, the others all played a role. And so it's important that people, you know, um, look at this, but not necessarily stop here because it's, you know, if we have gene glitches, and that's something I've spent the last year really looking into, and then we've got just toxins everywhere. And uh, we need a, um, you know, the government to wake up and uh, protect us from that. And we need um, health plans to wake up and say, boy, let's take over, let's take control and, 
you know, make sure that dentistry is part of what we do and oversee and that's done right so it doesn't come back to bite everybody in the butt. Yeah. Wow. Can I, yeah. can, I can I just say that's still, uh, uh, till this day, uh, the scariest uh, part for me is definitely the, the brain involvement, how this has affected my brain. The whole left side of my face is still numb. And so you have a lot of these demyelinated uh, disorders. You know, the MS, the ALS, uh, neurodegenerative diseases that are affected, highly affected, Alzheimer's uh, with, with mercury as the toxin. And so um, my diagnosis was they said that I was diagnosed as carrying 1,275% total mercury body burden above baseline normal. Wow. Yikes. And so when you say you got an immediate, you know, nearly an immediate relief from your paresthesia, imagine me, I'm still having this, but that, that's how saturated uh, my body was with this mercury. So the scary part is, is um, I, have a white, I have white matter lesions in my brain. Um, I need to have another MRI to see, you know, if they are still progressing, if they're staying or if they're going away, wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> And so just knowing that these things are going on in your body, it's just so scary. It's just just very, very scary. But I have to say now um, that my concern is for the patients. The patients that I worked on, that I helped poison, it just wrecks me now. Yeah. You know, it's just very, very disconcerting, you know. So we definitely have to work as hard as we can and as hard as we are able with what energy we do have to uh, bring awareness and, and get the laws changed in this country because this is ridiculous. So that I understand. very well said. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, I guess that's well part of what I feel. There's so many people that have chronic disease, that have premature aging, that, you know... You know, I want to ask everybody, are you as healthy as you were four years ago? Are you as healthy as you were 20 years ago? And if not... Don't just assume it's because you're getting older. It's because Absolutely your not. body is Absolutely fighting not. something. And, just, you know, if we could only reboot all of us in our medical system and our regulators to say, you know what, let's screen people systematically. What, who's got the vulnerabilities? What are the exposures? Let's test for them. I mean, they do this. This is what you do for your car. Can we please do it for us as people? That's, you know, it's just, it's not rocket science. It's pretty simple. And that's what the International Academy is working for. That's what Hidden River is working for. You know, uh, dams, the the various state coalitions. Um, So, but, but we do not get heard in the media and we do not get heard very much in the halls of Congress because they've basically been brainwashed by the ADA. It's, it's just pathetic. Um, so it's just, you know, wake up and smell the coffee, wake up and smell the toxins, or maybe not, but just wake up and, and recognize we don't have to be this, you know, impaired. We don't have to accept these lifelong sentences of chronic diseases. There are typically causes for them, and if we figure them out, we can get healthy again, and that should be our shared goal. Um, that's, you know, that's really what we're, I think we're working for. Yeah, yeah, definitely the lack of media coverage is shameful, absolutely shameful. Um, it's just 
it's criminal. It, it absolutely is criminal. When you think about health care, health care is in the news every day. Well, think about this number. 80% of the cost of the health care in this country goes to chronic illnesses, illnesses that you don't get better from that. You have to keep retreating, remedicating, they never go away. Absolutely. So if we could reverse that number, it would be phenomenal. Right. Right. The the other thing is everybody always looks at one piece of the elephant. So I was at a uh, women's health summit uh, about two weeks ago. It was excellent, and it focused on the need to look at gender gender disparities in chronic disease and healthcare. And I was like, great, but please, can we also look not just at gender disparities, but at gene disparities and at toxins and heavy metals because those are really the factors that are. Um, causing chronic diseases in this country. And unfortunately, the, uh, the way the pharmaceutical and research industries seem to work is everybody wants to find, you know, um, what helps treat the symptoms. And everybody's very excited about, um, you know, uh, seeing how they can manipulate around in our genes so that uh, maybe turn certain things on and off, which sounds very exciting, but also very expensive. And all we really need to do is understand our genes and then um, see what things we need to take out, whether it's, yeah. you know, in our teeth or something, you know, mold in our houses or, you know, things we're eating that aren't great for us or exposures in our workplaces or, you know, all the deer with their little ticks running around. It's like, please, can we not just look at acute stuff? Can we not just look at expensive stuff? I just read today, this morning, as, as you did, Karen, not only about the you know off-the-charts rates of Alzheimer's among older women, but apparently 2% of people now have um, you know hip and knee replacements. Uh, and as many things cause it, but some of it is inflammation, and nothing fuels inflammation like mercury and other toxins. It's just it's bad for the body. It's bad for the brain bad for every organ, you know, in your in you, and it's bad for your health and your future. You don't even want to get me going on the whole Alzheimer's subject. I know that as a result of what happened to me, that I am at a 40% increase of incidents happening to me with Alzheimer's. So mm-hmm. if you don't think that that's in my mind day after day when I can't remember or this happens or that happens, all these things are happening around me. That weighs heavily, heavily on my mind. And when you think about that less than a third of Alzheimer's cases are the genetic kind, that's right. the other problem. They lump a lot of this dementia together and all that. For you to have Alzheimer's, you have to have the test, the genetic test that says you carry the Alzheimer's gene. If you don't, and they're saying you have Alzheimer's, it could very well be mercury poisoning. These symptoms are identical. I agree. The other thing is I'm not, you know, even when you have the Alzheimer's gene, something I believe still triggers it. And I believe it's, you know, uh, and for example, I was taught it's something like mercury or other toxins. There's a woman in our church whose um, husband worked for one of the big chemical companies and he got early onset Alzheimer's. And I said, gosh, do you think it was all the chemicals he worked with every day? And she said, Oh, I know, it's proven because he was part of a twin study and his identical twin lived to a ripe old age with his full mental faculties. So they both had, you know, Alzheimer's gene. One got it, you know, the switches turned on and the other didn't. Um, Exactly. You know, it's like there's a lot of 
uh, Alzheimer's in my extended, you know, family. It's, you know, typically late onset, but, uh, you know, one of my grandmothers got it kind of early onset. Do I think she had the gene? Absolutely. Did she have, you know, dental amalgam? Sure. You know, my other grandmother lived to 101. Um, She had dentures. She lost her, you know, I'm sure she had fillings at one point. She lost them. I have to wonder, when's the optimal time, you know, if you've got these fillings, to lose your teeth because they're not doing us any favors. And, um, you know, for cosmetic reasons, everybody's convinced us you've got to keep them at all costs, but not at the cost of, you know, chronic cognitive and immune and neurological disease. It, it just, it's, it's nothing that somebody would, would ever wish for. No, no, not, not with that mercury poisoning. Laura, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with Karen Palmer and Laura Russell. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hello, we're talking about stopping dental mercury poisoning. It's a common cause of chronic diseases. And with me is Laura Henze-Russell, who's the director of the Hidden River Health Challenge at the Ocean River Institute, and also Karen Palmer, who's with us from Bethlehem, and Karen's with the Pennsylvania Coalition of Mercury-Free Dentistry. Karen, how can people learn more about your work? 
Um, you can basically go on the website for, uh, like you said, Pennsylvania Coalition for Mercury Free Dentistry, uh, DAMS organization, which is D-A-M-S, which stands for Dental Amalgam Mercury Solution. Um, you can go on the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology website.org and um, you can look articles of work that I've done in their archive section. Um, you, when you Google Karen Palmer Mercury, you'll see tons of stuff with that as well. Um, okay. Karen, how do you spell Palmer? P-A-L-M-E-R. Yep, P-A-L-M-E-R. And uh, you Google that and put, what do you put next to it, Mercury or something? Uh, just If you put Karen Palmer Mercury, everything will come up. There you go. Pretty much everything will come up. I mean, of course, you can, you can uh, you know, refine that search if you put FDA or State Department or, you know, I need a number of things. <laughs> and so what is the Coalition for Mercury-Free Dentistry up to these days? Well, uh, right now we have uh, some work, ongoing work in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, the city of Philadelphia has was the first city to have uh, mandatory uh, informed consent. And so patients in Philadelphia that sit in a dental chair are handed a form, and that form says uh, if you're going to have a mercury fill in place, you must know that it can do this, 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 and this. And if you still want to have that material placed in your mouth, you need to sign this. And the patient and that's important. And that's that important as well. Yeah, that's important because the mercury fillings cost less than the um, the bonded white comp- composite stuff. So people exactly. need to understand that you may be saving a penny, but you could be paying big time in other ways. Oh yeah, with your health for certain. It's interesting though because the the composites, the tooth color white filling materials, are are covered by Medicaid. People just don't know that they have that option. They do not have to have that toxin put in ever, ever. No. But the problem is is that um, most dentists perceive composites to be uh, more, uh, far more complicated in technique uh, to place. Mm. And so uh, the, the profit margin, of course, that comes into play. And so there's so many layers to this. I could go on for days. But, but um, you wanted to talk about uh, some of these other issues that are going on. Uh, also, currently, uh, most recently this past summer, Philadelphia, we started again down there because um, we have this legislature which says that they have to sign this form. And so now they came back and said, oh, we're, we're thinking we might change that now. And because now we've received recent studies that the composites are are poisonous as well. Oh, no. And we're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're not even going to go down this avenue. Uh, of course you know plastics, composites are plastic. Plastics can be bad as well. You know, plastic bottles, you know, all that. You're, you're yeah, a little plastic. bit of plastic. So you have to be careful with that. And so some uh, composites contain BPA, which is harmful. But there are BPA-free composites. So, so everything they have to say, we had something to come back to say, no, 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 <laughs> this doesn't have to be reversed. This had one thing I'll mention there is everybody should get uh, biocompatibility um, tests for dental materials. It's a, you know, a blood test, and it's not covered, so you have to pay for it. But it will tell you which things your you know, personal immune system reacts to and which it's uh, okay. So 
Uh, I oh, think for that those should, who can't afford that testing. Right. Know, I mean, it should be covered. It's kind of like, we, you know, we blood type people, so we don't kill them when we, um, you know, give them blood transfusions. So let's, for God's sakes, uh, do biocompatibility testing so we don't slowly kill them when we do dentistry. It's that simple, really. It's right, not an expensive test. It just needs to be covered. You also want the informed consent. Consent. Yes. You know, you want... The patient should understand what's being put in their mouth. And if there's something wrong with the white composites, then it should be part of the consent that, okay, here's the poison in the composite, and here's the poison in the mercury, and, you know, here are your choices about how much you want to poison your teeth. And, right. and I mean, frankly, you know what I want to have? I'd like to have, first of all, they, they should ban it. We'll get to the lawsuit in a minute. But I'd like to have a, what they call a QR code, those cute little squares, you know, that are now popping up that you can, like, Stick your phone on it and tells you more about it. So imagine if we got um, not just a handout, but it had these QR codes on it, and you could, you know, aim your phone at it, take a picture, and up pops, you know, what it is, what its health risks are, and, you know, it can flash red at you or green or yellow, and, you know, down the road we could do it so maybe it, it meshes with your gene glitches so you know which ones really are, you know, good for you and not good for you. And um, Right. You know, well, let me just say that the BPA, the plastic uh, contained in these composites, which are a bunch of chemicals, is not nearly, can't even hold a candle to the neurotoxicity of mercury. Right. And also there's other alternatives. I got something called Renamel, which is a very inert, light gray substance in uh, my bicuspids, and I love the stuff. And, you know, it's not white, but it's it's very unreactive. So... You have options, you have choices, but you need to go to, you know, an up-to-date uh, biologic dentist and, and, you know, get your testing done and then advocate for your own health. It's, it's really um, just like buyer beware in, in the marketplace. It's, it's patient beware in health. Um, and everybody should have this ba- basic information to uh, keep themselves healthy the way, you know, our parents and grandparents did. Um, right, but mercury stays in the body. It stays in the fat cells, so it's particularly bad. Right, really want and especially to avoid for people and with so gene types. In the last few minutes, let's have a quick word about the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. They're suing the FDA for failing to adequately regulate amalgam mercury fillings for public safety. And the current science research supports their position that these fillings are an unacceptable risk to the environment and to people and to all of us. Um, more than 50% of the U.S. dentists use a far better bonded white compost material to restore teeth that leaks no mercury whatsoever. So it's also a social justice issue where people who are in the military or Native Americans or are poor have no choice but must have this mercury filling put in their mouths. And so we need, what do we need, legislation to stop that? Or what's the suit? The um, the suit was filed uh, March fifth, and it basically um, uh, it's it uh, sues both the FDA and the um, Commissioner Sebelius of HHS for failing to respond within a reasonable time to the petitions that called for um, either a ban on amalgam use or putting it into Class Three, which would require. Uh, restrictions for vulnerable people, uh, much more stringent proof of safety, and an environmental impact statement. 
So as we talked a little bit about two weeks ago, uh, amalgam after the the FDA basically resisted classifying it for over three decades and then was sued and and then had to classify it. And they had put up a website warning for a year. But in 2009, under the new commissioner, uh, Margaret Hamburg, uh, they took down the website warning and they decided um, that they would only uh, move it to class two with a special controls document that says graphic health warnings need to be put on the packages that manufacturers uh, supply to dentists. But there's nothing required for the patients. No labels, no warnings, no information sheets, uh, no written specific informed consent. They say, we rely on the dentist's professional judgment and uh, responsibilities to inform their patients. Uh, Well, state dental boards govern the practice of dentistry and they don't protect patients because guess what? restorations, which are fillings, which are a medical device, are exempt from written consent. Um, So somebody was, you know, they were pretty smart about that. And in fact, they don't have to um, report uh, problems from dentistry except from anesthesia or deaths in the chair in Massachusetts. So there's no surveillance system. They were pretty smart about that. So the suit basically, once they came up with this class uh, two, and it was after there had been a um, scientific advisory panel that they convened that recommended that it needed to be restricted and was not safe. Um, uh, they said, nah, we, we don't really believe that, so we'll just make it class two. So immediately the uh, IOT filed what's called a petition to reconsider based on um, several dozen points of error in their reasoning and so- the science. Uh, and by law, uh, the FDA is supposed to respond within a year, and it's now been 54 months. They held hearings. They convened another expert panel, which again said there needed to be warnings. They decided to dismiss that, and they said, no, we're just to, we're going to keep it as is, and we're going to continue to study it. And I uh, checked in with them last month, and they said, we are continuing to study it. And we uh, made an official request to the Surgeon General's office with the IOMT and Hidden River Health Challenge to launch a Surgeon General's report. And they said, "Uh, no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to continue to study it. So they're studying it till the cows come home and until more people have chronic diseases and uh, until health care costs are just absolutely unaffordable and uh, enough. So thank God we have courts in the in the United States because Congress doesn't stand up. All the leaders on this issue have retired. Everyone I've reached out to yet can't quite find it in with themselves to lead on the issue. There might be some followers. Uh, and um, at the state level, we have some strong champions, but I learned today, and I'm pretty angry about this, that they sent the legislation to a study committee. We are not going to accept that. We need to stop the use of this stuff because we don't need common causes of chronic diseases. We need health. That's right. And so fortunately, Laura, you have an active website, and you're gathering people who go to oceanriver.org slash hidden river PHP. And, you know, it's, it's a numbers question. When enough people want something, the politicians do it. And it's simply, you know, a constituent building exercise. And so thank you for your leadership, and I'd urge people to sign up at your webpage at least sign up for your free e-alert so they can keep in contact with what we're doing. 
And, and Karen, what can people do to keep in touch with you? Uh, basically, I gave you that information. Um, yeah. That well, they can email Karen yeah. Palmer at, uh, I mean, they can uh, Google Karen Palmer Mercury and get to a number of sites that Karen's involved with. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Karen, thank you so much for being part of this program and taking the time to explain all the stuff you've been going through due to mercury poisoning and we all wish you the best of health and hope you get lots of infrared treatment and warm, you know, toasty times to help getting those toxins out of your body and stuff. May I make one final remark? Please. I think that it is time to disregard the political influences that are preventing the FDA from fulfilling its solemn duty to protect the public health. That is what this is all about, politics and um as a plaintiff in this lawsuit, uh, that, that comment uh, just really struck me, and I wanted to share that with you. I am so that's glad. A- I've been waiting for a lawsuit, to because it's, you know, that's the way things happen in this country. People just don't seem to know how to do the right thing anymore. Um, so they need a little pressure and no pressure like a lawsuit. And, uh, you know, we've tried to give people every opportunity the right thing. Um, so now they're going to be forced to do the right thing. But don't wait for the suit. It's time for everybody to protect their health and that of their families and that of their neighbors by uh, joining with people like uh, Karen and me all around the country and all over the state, and uh, uh, um, let's get healthy together. Thank you, Laura. They are masters. They are masters. Masters at ignoring and denying. So we're, we're out of time. I want to thank you all for listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Until next time, thanks a lot for listening. Thanks again for joining us this week on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Please tune in for more with Dr. Rob Moyer next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again then. Oh,